because when you are battling a chronic illness and pain, it's very easy to lose your voice and become very overwhelmed in the process. Opioids sit at the uh, at the top of addiction, overdoses, death, but mental health is inserted in there at so many different points. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Am Christina D'Arcangelo, and I have a familiar guest and friend and face today on the show, Tiffany Watkins. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tiff. Thank you for having me back on. I always love my time. I always enjoy our conversations. It's always fun. We always have a good time when we talk. And so today... Um, we are talking about, I mean, I feel like every one of our topics are important, but as we are gearing up for May at the end of April here, we are gearing up for Mental Health Awareness Month, as well as a focus on opiate abuse as it relates to mental health, because a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people that abuse opiates are mental health patients that are trying to seek solace and being able to have opiates. And so today, that is what we're gonna talk about. So thank you so much, Tiff, for joining me. Um, just for our viewers and, and listeners out there, um, as a reminder, Tiffany sits on the board for Affinity Patient Advocacy, as well as the fact that she's been promoted to the executive leadership team and is now a uh, vice president of the board. So we're coming to you from the APA angle today from the executive board angle to talk about this very important topic today. Tiff, would you like to kick it off? Sure, I'm happy to. And thanks again for this conversation. It's it's so important uh, that more people have these uh, types of talks and hopefully our conversation will spark that for them. Um, you're right, opioids sit at the, uh, at the top of um, you know, addiction, uh, overdoses, death, but mental health is inserted in there at so many different points. Look, people get um, in pain. People have chronic illnesses, chronic pain. Pain alone can put people deep into depression. So without any medication at all, people are dipping into the lowest states they've been in in their life just because they are in just ailment and that ailment is bringing them lots of pain um and then you know they get prescribed medications to take i don't believe these people set out the average person doesn't set out to become addicted to a medication to be reliant upon it for their very well-being so they can open up their eyes and every morning so they can step out of bed every day um so you know it is it's it's like one of those unfortunate happenstances right so what we really want to bring awareness to is the fact that the cycle starts from a very innocuous place. It is, it is very much so, I just need something for my pain. And then they get prescribed something. And that medication is so heavy. Mm -hmm. So it, the body becomes reliant upon it almost immediately. And then they get caught in the cycle. I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to feel bad. And so they're using the medication to treat the pain. But then mm -hmm. suddenly use the medication to just feel good, mm -hmm. to just alive. And that is where the problem is. This is what we need to figure out a way, a pathway for folks to be able to manage pain without becoming addicted to opioids and other medications. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point right there for us to, yeah. to 
can dive in. I agree with you completely. Um, you know, uh, especially since, as you know, we were all working on the diabetic neuropathy study um, through Affinity Biopartners Spectral and Affinity Patient Advocacy. And so we heard it first from the patient's mouths. This was a DN study, but the underlying effect, if you will, for these patients are pain. So these are really, really sick individuals that are riddled with, or ridden with pain. And so of course, they're going to be anxious and depressed because they can't get down on the ground to play with their grandchild, or they can't get up to go to work that day because the pain is so bad. And then they feel so terrible about the fact that they're always in pain mentally. It just is, it just keeps going around and around in a vicious circle. And so, yes, there are things out there that are non-addictive, non-habit forming, but we, you know, the media has done a good job and so has some of the constituents in healthcare and even, unfortunately, I have to say politically, have gotten involved in some of these things that are not their place to be involved in. This is patient care. And when patients don't feel well, they need to have their voice or someone like us, you know, through affinity patient advocacy to step in to help provide them a voice so they have adequate adequate care for them. Agreed, they do. People deserve advocacy. Um, if for nothing else, like you said, for them to have a voice, because when you are battling a chronic illness and pain, it's very easy to lose your voice and become very overwhelmed in the process by mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. And it, there needs to be more, um, you know, thought put to patient advocacy in every clinic and every hospital. I know that they try their best and I know that there's overcrowding. I don't want to not acknowledge that, but I think that the average person needs to understand where they can help and how they can help. Mm -hmm. And there to provide a supportive voice for the person who is battling, not just trying to talk about what's going on or the care they need, but they're battling the illness too. Um, we can just, I think what I'm saying in short is that we could really do a lot better to help each other. Mm -hmm. and, but, uh, you know, uh, that's what we really truly work on. And that's, I think that's, that's at the bane of the existence of what we do as a board mm -hmm. is find a way to provide voice and support because it's, it's, uh, it's paramount. It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that we understand the patient's perspective because we've been working with so many patients over the years and they feel comfortable sharing with us um, how they're feeling and things that they feel that they need to share. They feel comfortable because we are not their nurse, their doctor. We're not any of those people. We're not their 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 sister, their brother, whatever. You know, we are just a, 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 a group of people that are standalone advocates who are there to listen to whatever it is that they have to say. So they're inclined to share more information with us because we don't judge them. We don't complain about it. So in other words, we don't say back to them, oh, oh, are you done yet? Do you have more to say? No, that's not, we, 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 we truly are active listeners to these people and we're empathetic and we really try to see things from their side. We step in their shoes, which most people in 
professional situations don't do that. And so that's what happens. These people don't have somebody seeing it from their side. They just know the clinical side or the medical side or the healthcare side, the insurance side, the pharmaceutical side. They know all those things, but they don't veer into this side that could be uncomfortable for them because now they're being told stuff that they should know, but they're choosing to kind of block out because they know what they know. And that's all they want to deal with is what they know. We're not like that. You know, we, we know things but we let them talk to us and tell us what it is that that's bothering them. And, and you know, how many long haulers have come to us that had mental health issues. And that has nothing to do with opiates. At one point or another, they were probably on opiates for pain issues and otherwise. Um, but there were so many long haulers that have mental health illness issues that either they had prior or after either they got COVID or they were taking the vaccines and I'm not bashing the vaccines. I'm just saying, this is what we've been seeing in our company when these patients come to us. So it's not puffery. It's not claims. It's a reality. We've been seeing it. We've had people that wanted to kill themselves. They were ready to do it. So thank God we got in there and we rolled our sleeves up and we stayed with them and followed them until we got them off that bad path that they were on that day, ready to put one in their mouth. Right. No, I mean, they, you can't say enough for what I like to call the human side. Um, and, you know, just to, to take a step back to what you were saying before about, you know, the, the doctors, clinicians and facilities can offer a lot. They can get you out of an emergency situation. They can provide medication for pain. They can provide all sorts of insight into the body. But the one part that often gets lost because of the volume of usage is the human side. And that is the listening. That's the listening to everything that just went wrong in their, their day from, from sunrise to sunset. It's, it's lending that time, but also the other side of what we do, because we are not clinicians, we are not, we're not boggled down with, with having to bring in patients and treat and diagnose. We actually can take the time to find different resources outside of a hospital or facility or your or your clinics we can find different resources to help you know patients deal with a lot of things when they're chronically ill starting with the illness but it ends with who's making them dinner that day mm -hmm. who's picking up those groceries who's grabbing the dry cleaning who's doing the laundry things like that and, and we can find resources for patients to help again supporting that human side of illness. And see, when they're on medications as heavy as opioids and things like that, those are the first things to fall by the wayside. Self-care. Just mm -hmm. yep. the thing to take for granted. People need this support. Once they're on these medications, their self-care starts to fall to the side. They're not bathing regularly. They're not eating regularly. They're not hydrating regularly. They become dependent on medication they're just ruled by medication. And I think that what we're saying here is that that intersection is not only, I mean, it's deep and we can see it, but something needs to be done in order to not have folks who are chronically ill, maybe not mentally ill, fall into mental illness brought on by medication, brought yeah. on by by opioids this this is this is why what we're slowly describing here is the crisis yeah this yeah, is the I, death. 
And, and, and how about paying attention to the drugs they were already on? And I'm not saying drugs, illegal drugs. I'm talking about their medicines. Okay. Right. So let's talk about a patient that's taking SSRIs already for their mental health. They fall down and now their doctor decides to give them opiates because of the pain, because the pain is so bad that now they need something to help with their pain. But at the same time, they also put the patient on gabapentin, which for those that are out there listening to this show, we've talked about gabapentin and um, Lyrica and those drugs as it relates to diabetic neuropathy with both Dr. Donner and Dr. Tai. We have had them on when we were working on the DN study. We talked specifically about these. Gabapentin is, is prescribed for pain, um, inflammation, neuropathy. Those are the indications that have been approved for gabapentin. However, people, sometimes physicians prescribe gabapentin for off-label usage for anxiety. So let's talk about this. We have, we have all these SSRIs. So for everybody out there, SSRIs are for mental health treatment. Okay. They're taking drugs already for mental health treatment. Then they give them opiates because they fell down and hurt themselves and they're in extreme amounts of pain. So they figure let's give them that. Okay. Then we're also going to prescribe gabapentin at the same time. Okay. So that's supposed to be for pain and inflammation allegedly, but we're already giving you opiates. That's supposed to be for pain, right? And you're taking all these SSRIs and opiates counteract in my opinion with mental health drugs. And then you have this gabapentin you're taking, which you know that they use off-label for anxiety. Well, you don't know as a patient because it's not disclosed. They tell you it's for inflammation and pain. So you're taking all these. What do you think is going to happen to these people? Are they going to get off their bed at, at the, you know, from day to day? No, they can't get out of their bed anymore because they become depressed by all these things because everything is interacting with one another. Yeah, you know the contraindications on med on medicine are not always the life-threatening immediate emergencies. Sometimes we have to look a little deeper and go for long term. Ever been prescribed something and then prescribed something else to counteract one mm -hmm. of the side effects? Mm -hmm. That's another form of contraindication on mm -hmm. for for medicines. And yep. I think that 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 trio that you just described is one that is very detrimental mm -hmm. because it starts to break down the mental state. You know, yep. the SSRI is there without just so everybody understands, we we uptake um, in our chemicals in our brain, we uptake serotonin. And sometimes when you have an imbalance, you will you will uptake it and then reuptake. You'll keep taking it. And what happens is you start to fall into depression, anxieties and things like that. Well, what is uh, SSRI is a, a serotonin, the selective serotonin uptake in, inhibitor and a reuptake inhibitor. And so it causes your brain to not continuously recycle these types of things. Now, that sentence I just said was a lot. That medicine alone is already doing a lot chemically in your body. And now adding on two others that have indications that can do similar things is a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these things are worth talking about because this sits at the apex of most people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Limit, it prescribed those types of things more often than anyone else. This so was middle class. This is middle class. And this was my mom. As you know, Tiff knew 
exactly who I was talking about when I started talking about this because I couldn't control this. And I'm the CEO of a nonprofit. And when I was talking to the physicians about getting her off the OPS, getting her off the gabapentin, it was, they were resistant. I'm not a physician. I only had power of attorney. So I was handcuffed to what I was able to do. Folks, my mom died January 13th of this year. What's that say? Okay. So where's Tiff and I, well, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this today was because we had been working with my mom's case since March uh, 24th of 2022, when I rescued her from the entrapment in the basement, when she was being trapped in her basement. And that will be at some point, we'll talk about all of that on a podcast. But Tiffany being on our board, she immediately was tapped in. The entire board was working on my mom's case to help her get out of the mental health state that she was in. Could you imagine what she was? She was locked in a basement in her own house in a dungeon and couldn't get out. And she's a mental health patient, bipolar. So, and then now we get out, we went into a mental institution, we got her recalibrated with her, her uh, mental health. And then she's had several breakdowns, also a stroke. And then November gets Oxycontin coding and um, gabapentin prescribed. Okay, guys, this was from March till November. This was my mother's life. Okay. Oh, and she had COVID in July. This all happened in this time period. And they decided this was a good idea. Why didn't they review the entire chart of this patient? And again, like we said earlier, put yourselves in their shoes and look at it from their viewpoint rather than looking at it from your viewpoint which is in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. The, the spiral um, effect for your mother was rapid. And, and I think that that, that bears, uh, uh, you know, a few sentences there. It's, it was so rapid. It was almost as if you did, you knew it was, you saw what was happening, but you couldn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. That rapid uh, decline is, I think takes everyone by surprise. And before they know it, their life is in shambles or a family member is watching another person's life go into shambles and they're just like, whoa, scrambling, what do I do? And, you know, again, why we need more advocacy, why we need more people stepping up and going, we need to figure out something else. And most importantly to me as a patient advocate and, adv and, and activist for over 30 years, um, we need people to have freedom to choose mm -hmm. freedom to choose therapies that may not be standard therapies for folks to take a look at other medicine medications herbal mm -hmm. medication fungal medications ayurvedic medications homeopathic um, homeopathic mm -hmm. and make a choice because a lot of times people are presented with one choice Take, well, oh, okay. well, let's be generous. Two choices. Take this medication. Here's your prescription or stay in pain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the average person doesn't always know to look deeper, to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And let's yep. face it, we've had campaigns, especially across the world, but especially in the United States, we've had huge campaigns against trying anything that wasn't a pharmaceutical medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're so absolutely people right. And, and then, the right that's right. And then when 
there are drugs that are approved, you know, from an FDA level, these patients, you know, have the right to be able to get these through their physician and be prescribed these products that supposedly are supposed to assist supposedly in the same sentence, sorry, <laughs> it's supposed to assist them. Um, and then it ends up kind of hindering because they're not always informed of the side effect profile. These elderly patients are not going to take a prescription packet, you know, they're not going to take the prescription thing, read all of the documentation from the pharmacy that's pages long for their side effects. They're not going to do it. And even if they do, they're not going to understand everything because they don't have science degrees. So who do they call then? They get on the phone. Do they call the pharmacy? Okay. The pharmacists are under a lot of stress and pressure since COVID. They're still under those. I don't know about you, Tiff, but when I go to my pharmacy here locally, I sit in line for 15 minutes waiting for my prescription that I was supposed to be picking up because I was notified to pick it up then, and I can't even get it. And then when I finally get it, it's a quick one, two, three, like birthday, da, 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 what are you picking up? And out the door you go, and they ask if you have questions for the pharmacy. However, you're in a drive-thru, and even if you're there in person, it's the same shenanigans. So elderly people and other patients who are not elders that don't quite understand, they don't have the resources to be able to go, hey, listen, I'm concerned that my heart rate might drop or it might increase, or I might have you know, dry mouth, which thereby means I won't hydrate properly. Then I become dehydrated. All these things, just like you said earlier, becomes a spiral effect. Yeah, it does. And that, uh, that decline, I feel there's something that we, we can do about it. And so I know that my call to action, if you want to call it that, is to uh, reach out to advocacy groups, reach out to us. But I like to be fair and go, if you're not going to reach out to us, reach out to someone mm -hmm. and ask for an opioid crisis with a human being could be closer to you than what you think. It can be mm -hmm. in your family right now and you don't realize it. So ask questions and reach out to someone to, to give help, even if it is just one hour a week, something, one hour a month, every bit is useful. And we really need that human side. We, we need it, we need of it because this is a crisis. They say it on the news, you read it in articles in the paper, magazines, but we can't say it enough. Absolutely right. As a matter of fact, I know you saw my post come up on Sunday from the Wall Street Journal, which was hard and fast. Um, because uh, for everybody out there, in case you didn't get to read this um, article, it talks about how Purdue Pharma, specifically the Sackler family, um, provided funding to a national level nonprofit organization that controls policies as it relates to healthcare. They've got $19 million over a series of about eight, six years, I don't know exactly how many years, but you know, for organizations like ours, Affinity Patient Advocacy, we do not accept money from parties that are involved in things that we cannot integrity line up with. So this obviously raised my eyebrows when I read that from the nonprofit sector and also raised my eyebrows from the advocacy side of things, knowing that both of I had two family members and my my brother and my mother both suffered from abusing opiates. And so here it is again in my face. And they're talking about the fact that these guys are pay to play. 
And these guys, the other side, the nonprofit was willingly accepting their, their, their monies. Well, what is going on here, folks? How could we write policies properly and influence policy if we're being paid off? So these are things that not everybody gets to read about. And it's our jobs to make sure we share this information with all of you guys. So that was one of the reasons why, again, we wanted to have this podcast in the spirit of mental health awareness coming up in the next you know, couple of days here. We wanted to make sure we connect it with you all so that you know that we're watching things and we're trying our best to put our foot forward to help patients like you out there. Yes, indeed. Ooh, that yes. was, uh, sorry. <laughs> I get passionate about this stuff because it's stuff we talk about all the time. You guys, we talk, Tiff and I, and, and most of the board, we talk about these things all the time in just everyday discussions that we have that aren't always patient related because these are things that keep us up at night. We worry about these things. So if there's ways that we can help you, you can reach out to us. And the best way to do it is just shoot us an email, info at info, I-N-F-O, at affinitypatientadvocacy.org. If you have a problem that you think that we might be able to help you with, even if we can't help you, we will then try to find somebody who can help you because we don't want to leave you high and dry. That's right. We're trying for no patient left behind. That's right. All that really means is just reach out with anything. Just like uh, Christina is saying, re reach out even if it is to ask a question. If you're not a patient and you're not suffering from anything, you just want to know more, please reach out to us. We'll invite you to a conversation. This mm -hmm. is where we live and breathe this constantly. It is, for most of us, our way that we give back. It's the way that we pay forward. And we want to encourage everyone to do that. We're not elitists. We, nope. we definitely, this, can, this is you, me, anybody. And uh, anyone can help. So we'd That's ask right. that you reach questions if that's all you have. Thank you, Tip. And thank you so much for being on today and talking about this very important topic. We had a lot in this one podcast, but they were all important things I felt that we, you know, and I know you did um, because you kicked it off and then we just ran with it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me back to talk about this. Absolutely. So as we always say, remember, we are the same. I am Christina D'Arcangelo. Thank you so much for joining us today.